let adults make decisions. If they're comfortable going out, let them go out. If they're not comfortable, let them stay in. I have to uh, question, has it been worth the damage? The plan would allow students to be back in school every day uh, for, for the entire day. San Diego leaders and business owners push to reopen faster, but some think we're moving too quickly. Welcome to our ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Ben Higgins, and we're looking at the different ways the ongoing pandemic is having an effect on our community. In just a few minutes, we'll hear from San Diego Unified School Board Vice President Richard Barrera about the plan to get kids back in the classroom this fall and the one big reason why it might not happen. First, here are some of the top coronavirus headlines for Tuesday, May 19th. The county wants to present a modified Stage 3 plan to Governor Newsom, which would allow San Diego businesses to open ahead of the state's current schedule. The plan would include allowing salons and fitness centers to reopen, operating under an appointment-only basis. We could also be just days away from the reopening of dine-in restaurants if the plan is approved. Dozens of business owners called into today's County Board of Supervisor meeting to urge the board to continue to push to reopen safely. If San Diego doesn't get back to work, there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. It's going to be on the politicians' hands. They are dragging us down into unprecedented levels of an economic collapse. Others, like representatives from Sharp and Scripps Health, say it's too soon to take the next step. Our ask is simple, slow and steady. We have a success story, but only a partial one. We have flattened the curve in parts of the county, but not throughout the county. Other than Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, the board voted to send the accelerated plan to the governor. I know a lot of parents would love to see their kids get back out on the field, whether it's soccer or Little League. And joining me right now is 10 News anchor Lindsay Pena. Uh, Lindsay, you were covering a story today about a proposal that could bring back youth sports, at least in a limited way, fairly soon. What's the uh, what's the deal there? Yeah, uh, Ben, thanks for having me. This was a proposal uh, that was drafted by Board of Supervisors, San Diego County Board of Supervisor Kristen Gaspar, um, and she put it together after talking to I guess more than 200 youth sports leaders in San Diego County sort of getting their input on, you know, what would be okay, what they could adhere to, and and what they wanted to see moving forward. So this whole plan um, is on a a website if anybody wants to go ahead and check it out. Um, And uh, basically, she's just proposing to let kids get back out there and practice. Um, So this only pertains to practice right now, but that's still encouraging for a lot of parents and kids who haven't been able to do anything. Uh, So I I talked to um, a couple of coaches in in our area, and they said that this is honestly just music to their ears. Um, Their kids are just really eager to get back out there. Um, And some of the the new things that people might have to adhere to, um, they're talking about only having groups of of 12 um, or less when they're practicing um, and making sure that they're maintaining that standard social distancing that we've all kind of become used to. Um, Also talking about very, you know, stringent uh, sanitizing procedures and hand washing. Um, You know, parents wouldn't be necessarily allowed to sit in those stands and and watch things like they normally have. They'd have to drop their kids off and, and pick them up after practice. But um, it, it looks like the, the, I guess, essence of, you know, the game and then why kids and, and other people like to play will still be maintained. And I think that's that was kind of the point. 
even just practice and 12 kids or less sounds like uh, exactly what a lot of parents have been hoping for uh, for a while. We'll be watching to see how that uh, progresses and what the state has to say about it. Lindsay, appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us. Thank you. Of course. Thanks, Ben. With the search for a coronavirus cure, researchers say unproven stem cell products are being pushed as treatment for COVID-19. Researchers say businesses are making vague claims about the treatments and their efficacy, sometimes advertising them as a precautionary measure for preventing COVID-19. On its website, the FDA warns of various products companies claim help with the virus. The agency has also warned businesses in several states about making unsubstantiated claims about coronavirus prevention and treatment. Today, President Trump defended his decision to take the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine as a way to prevent himself from being infected by COVID-19. So I thought as a uh, frontline defense, possibly it would be good. And I've, I've had no impact from it. I've, ne- I've had no, I feel the same. I haven't changed. I don't think too much. And at some point, you know, I won't take it. Might be soon, might be a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to have any impact on me. But it seems to be an extra line of defense. Yesterday, he announced he began taking the drug a couple of weeks ago. The president has claimed hydroxychloroquine can help fight coronavirus on several occasions, but it's not yet a proven treatment. The FDA also warned about the drug weeks ago. It is used to treat or prevent malaria and to treat autoimmune conditions. A new study published in the Journal of American Medical Association shows that hydroxychloroquine does not work against COVID-19 and could cause heart problems if taken in high doses. The San Diego City Council has extended its moratorium on evictions until the end of June. The ban prohibits landlords from evicting people and businesses unable to pay their rent because of financial strains from COVID-19. Renters who cannot pay must let their landlords know in writing either on or before the day the rent is due. City Council member Scott Sherman released a memo today saying extending the eviction moratorium simply delays the problem renters face. He proposed improvements to existing rental assistance programs using funds from a federal stimulus package. Major League Baseball is trying to rebound and save what's left of the 2020 season. The Padres, as well as every other MLB team, committed $1 million to an employee fund, with 20% of that going to the companies that contract concession, janitor, and security workers. David Huerta is the president of the local union that represents about a third of the Padres game day workers. He says the Padres have been one of the best in the bigs at helping their employees, but he worries about what could happen if sports, concerts, and other mass gatherings don't return soon. With one stadium that we're talking about here, um, you know, we could figure it out, but you're talking about thousands throughout the state and thousands more throughout the country. At his news conference yesterday, Governor Newsom did say sports venues may be able to reopen by June, but without fans. The San Diego Unified School District says it is ready to reopen schools for the fall if the funding is there. Richard Barrera, vice president of the San Diego Unified School Board, joined 10 News anchor Virginia Cha today to discuss the issue of getting kids back into class despite sharp budget cuts. So obviously you never want to hear about cuts that would affect schools. Can you explain exactly what you wouldn't be able to do if these cuts happen? Yeah, so we are putting a plan together to physically reopen our schools that, you know, we think is exactly what our students and parents need. So the plan which we're developing with our teachers, with our parents, with our students and other key stakeholders would allow students to be back in school every day uh, for for the entire day, would allow uh, students on our campuses to be physically distanced uh, from each other, so small groups of students together 
uh, you know, spread out over the campus, would allow for a school nurse at every school, would provide for counseling and mental health support, you know, to students who have, uh, you know, experienced a lot of stress through this situation, and would allow those students and staff who, because they may have continued underlying health conditions or somebody in their family may have underlying health conditions, that would allow them to continue with distance learning if they're not comfortable yet coming back. So we will have a plan that will be ready to go by the beginning of the school year. And in fact, we could have a plan for our most vulnerable students to get them back onto our campuses a couple of weeks before the beginning of the school year. Our challenge is that our plan adds cost to what we would normally have. We, you know, we have to have more staff on a campus if we're breaking our kids into smaller groups, you know, smaller class sizes. We have to have extra nurses, extra counselors, extra custodians to do deep cleaning of the schools. And we need to physically, uh, you know, reconfigure our schools to make sure that we're making use of the whole campus, including playgrounds, uh, you know, auditoriums, even parking lots. All of that costs additional money in order to do it safely and responsibly. And what we're seeing in the governor's uh, May revise is a 10% cut. So there's a big gap between, you know, what, it, you know, what the, the governor is proposing in his budget for schools and what schools need in order to safely and responsibly reopen. Now, as you probably know, just in the last couple of days, the governor was quoted as saying that some schools will not open this fall. At least that's what he's anticipating based on cuts and based on where we are in terms of the science here. Would you be okay with that? And how would that work if you couldn't open all the schools, if you had some still distance learning, maybe staggering school schedules and times that the students are there? Yeah, so what we're saying is, given the public health guidelines that exist today, we will be prepared to physically reopen all of our schools in, uh, you know, on time for the uh, beginning of the school year. So it's based, you know, our plan is based on what the public health guidelines are. The challenge that I think the governor may be talking about is without the money to pay for the cost, you know, uh, of that plan, then we can't safely reopen. So unless we can actually modify our campuses uh, to comply with public health guidelines, then, you know, he's correct. We can't and we won't reopen in a way that's not safe. So the issue in terms of where the gap is in funding, um, we are advocating that the state, for instance, you know, the state has built up a big rainy day fund over the past several years. And the idea behind that rainy day fund was to help schools you know, in times like this, you know, to stabilize, you know, school budgets, you know, when the economy went downward. But most of the rainy day fund that the governor puts into his budget is is not going to schools. And so we think that's not right, that, you know, there needs to be more of that money that goes to schools. But really, the big emphasis in all this is the federal government. There has to be a federal stimulus package, a next federal stimulus package that provides schools, what we need in order to safely reopen, um, you know, and the, the, the bill that the House of Representatives passed last week does fill that gap. And what we need is the United States Senate to get to work. You know, they're talking about, well, maybe we'll take this up after Memorial Day. There's got to be a sense of urgency there that they've got to get to work, come up with a plan that funds schools, allows us to safely reopen, because how can 
the economy reopen if parents go, can't go back to work. Mm-hmm. They need to take this issue seriously with the sense of urgency so that we can move forward on the plan that we, that we will have ready to go. Yeah, certainly this has been such a difficult financial time and it really comes down to the money and having enough of it yeah. to do everything that you need to do to feel like it would be safe for students and staff to be there. Richard Brewer, we really appreciate you uh, explaining and, and giving us your insights on this. And of course, we'll be watching because we'll see what uh, the government leaders here decide ultimately. Yeah. Well, thanks for covering this. Thanks so much. Thanks again. We're also seeing more good news as the process of rebounding from the pandemic continues. The environment may be in its best shape since World War II. Experts say global lockdowns have dropped carbon emissions by 17 percent. It's expected to drop more by the end of the year. The declines are primarily due to fewer people driving, so it's expected to be temporary. Experts say now is the time to invest in cleaner energy. 2020 is still on track to be one of the hottest years on record. And here's some bonus good news. CHP is reporting a decline in the number of collisions and arrests for DUI. It's also thanks to the huge reduction in people on the roads. CHP is reporting a 75% decrease in the number of crashes this year from March 19th to April 30th, compared to the same time period last year. DUI arrests are also down 42%. But more drivers are being cited for speeding on the open roads, which is up by 46% from last year. San Diego still faces a long road to recovery even after the pandemic subsides, but we haven't lost our way. We know who we are, a community that will meet the moment and rise above obstacles. ABC 10 News is committed to helping San Diegans recover from the turmoil created by the coronavirus. We will get back on our feet, find jobs, resources, and creative solutions to rebuild. Together, we'll find a way. For stories and more information on how we bounce back, go to 10news.com rebound. That's all for today. I'm Ben Higgins.